Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to episode 14 of Leafs Talk Forever. This is our season review episode. Uh, Kyle's back with us. Scott's also here. Uh, we've got the whole crew. Um, let's get it started with the typicals. we got the Discord group chat. Obviously, that thing's kind of died down since, what, last Saturday. Makes kind of makes sense, but let's hope we hope we can get it popping again by the draft, by the free agency all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, there is the Inside the Rink NHL page. Uh, I, I shared it, I believe, in the Discord chat. And I can share the Discord chat on Twitter. So join the Discord chat. Join the join the Facebook group. While you're there, Inside the Rink on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. We are a partnership with them. So check out their stuff. Check out the articles. Check out the podcast. Buy some merch. Uh, over the course of the back half of the Tampa Bay Toronto series, I was on a Facebook ban. It's now 100% over. I've shared some posts in there. So let's get the downloads and the article reading, all that kind of stuff up. Uh, as mentioned before, article or episode 14. One other thing to note before we get into the jersey segment. Uh, we didn't mention this because I don't think it was announced yet last episode. But Austin Matthews was nominated for her along with uh, Igor Shosturkin and Connor McDavid. And rumor has it, from what I've heard, a lot of people think Austin Matthews is the favorite. Um, yeah, jersey number uh, 14. Kyle, you can start. Welcome back. Start with your 14. Thanks, Spencer. Um, my number 14 I chose was Matt Stajan. Matt wore the number 14 for six seasons. Um he had 223 points in 444 games played, uh, played for the Leafs between 2003 and 2010, and he's my favorite number 14 player. Uh, for me, number 14, and I think I've said this a lot in previous episodes of the podcast, uh, not necessarily my favorite player, just a, a noted player that I would have preferred of the list available. I'm going with uh, Dave Andrichuk. He played on the Leafs from 92-93 to 94-95, I believe. So not necessarily in an era I could have watched. I was uh, really young when that happened. Uh, he is a 50-goal scorer for the Leafs. Uh, he technically did it twice, but the first year he did it, it was a split season with Buffalo. 
uh, one of four players to ever do it for the Leafs. And yeah, just a noted player I picked off the list that played in an era I could have watched, but not necessarily my favorite. Uh, my number 14, Jonas. People say Hoglund. Some people say Hoglund. I, I, I'm not really sure. It's a Swedish name. So um, he did play, I think, three years with Toronto. Um, not more of a depth player. I believe he did play on a line with uh, Matt Sundin for a little bit of a, of a season, but mostly at that time, uh, uh, Matt Sundin was like Sidney Crosby. He had basically duds playing on his line and somehow made them a little bit better. Not by far. Like my, I don't really have a favorite at 14, so it's kind of like past episodes. But yeah, Jonas Oakland, Scott Digger away the classics. The classics this week, we have four. Uh, the first one being Dave Keon. I mean, a player that doesn't really need any kind of explanation in, in, for Leafs fans. In my opinion, at this point in time, the greatest Leaf of all time. He was, yeah, just an overall great player who doesn't really need any kind of breakdown or introduction. If you don't know who Dave Keon is, you probably shouldn't be calling yourself a Leaf fan. Uh, next, we have Wolf Pymont, who wore the number 14 for one year before switching to 99. Uh, he played three seasons with the Leafs where he had a career-high 97 points. Probably more famous for wearing number 99 than number 14 as he was one of the players who wore it before it was retired by Wayne Gretzky. Uh, next, we have Dave Reed. Also played three seasons with the Leafs. Was more of a depth guy. I don't think he ever scored over 25 points. Uh, he's probably more known as a TV personality on on what used to be Leafs TV, now on, it's called Leafs Nation Network, I believe. And lastly, Ron Wilson, another one who's probably more famous for another reason. That reason being he's a former NHL coach for uh, numerous teams, probably more notably Saint, uh, San Jose Sharks, sorry. Uh, yeah, so those four players, the most famous being Dave Keogh. Um, Two things. I don't know. I, I, I don't know 100% sure if wasn't 100% sure if you mentioned this story. Dave Keon was one of the greatest Leafs of all time in the top 100 in 2017 when they changed the logo. Yeah, but uh, that, yeah, I, I just, I didn't want to mention that because there might be some people who don't think that's still opinion based. Yeah, but the, yeah, but this was voted on by the Toronto Maple Leafs, so it doesn't matter our opinion, really. Well, no, but I mean, there is still some people who don't, still some yeah, people but who I'm might just not saying, like, the greatest. But the Toronto Maple Leaf organization voted him the greatest, so that's all I'm saying. Uh, and also, Dave well, Reed, yeah, he, yeah. when we were kids, Dave Reed was on um, uh, NHL Network. Oh, was it NHL Network? Yeah, I I was and Leafs TSN. Leafs. Yeah, I think he was on there, but like for the most part, he would do uh, NHL Network. Hmm. Oh, there you go. Um, So... Our, our breakdown for this episode is obviously the jersey number segment. We always kind of start that. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit here about a few things from last game, from just a series. Um, well, because now that we've had five, six, seven, whatever, six days now, five days now to think about it. Um, and then we're going to get into an ad break and then throw it into a season review where we highlight, obviously, depth, uh, season career highs, potential offseason moves, all that kind of stuff. Um, and we also have our playoff predictions, which, do you guys want to do that now? Yeah, we can do that now. 
So just a little bit of uh, information here. Obviously, Sunday night was the end of round one. We had these predictions done Sunday night, Monday morning-ish. Um, but we obviously waited a couple days to do a podcast, gave us just a little bit of a break. My pick for Colorado-St. Louis is Colorado in five. I think St. Louis is going to be able to win at least one. Um, Nashville wasn't able to, but I think St. Louis stronger team. Um, a little bit better of a playoff team, in my opinion. I think they can pull off one, so Colorado in five. Calgary-Edmonton, I think Calgary's going to win in six. I think they just have a lot tougher of a team, um, and their depth has really changed uh, this year um, with the additions of guys like Coleman and Toffoli. Uh, moving on, I think Tampa's going to win in six against Florida. Um, Tampa, just a really good playoff team. Um they continue to produce in the playoffs. Just a tough team to face. Um, Florida's going to make it close, but I think Tampa's still going to come out and win in six. And Rangers, Carolina. Um, I think Carolina's going to win in six. Uh, Rangers, they're going to put up a good fight. But I think Carolina, um, defensively, they're a really good team. I think they're just going to be able to shut down uh, the big guys like Panarin, uh, Kreider, and Zimanejad, and win it in six. For me, I have uh, <clears throat> Colorado winning in five. I had them winning in five first round, but they, they swept, so I don't think they're going to slow down against St. Louis. Uh, I think they're just going to keep rolling along until the Stanley Cup. Uh, the Stanley Cup Finals, that is. I have Calgary over Edmonton in seven. Uh, I feel like this will probably be the best series of second round, especially based on the first game, nine six. I have Tampa Bay over Florida in six games. I think Tampa, much like Colorado, uh, is just going to roll through. Maybe have a little bit of a struggle in the in the Eastern Conference Final, but carrying the momentum of being the Leafs, I, I feel like they're just going to continue to push through everybody else. And then I have Carolina over the Rangers in seven games. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned the defense, Kyle, because um, Braden Smith, or is that who it is? Braden Smith? Brendan Smith on Carolina. Brandon Smith. Yeah. Um, Tony D'Angelo, Brady Shea, and I believe there's one other defensive Slavin? player. Slavin? Was it Slavin? I, I, well, three of the six or four of the six defense came from the Rangers. Uh, oh, no, it wasn't Slavin. So I think that's funny. Um, and there's like Jesper Fast, and I, I think there's another Ford. And there's Anti Ranta, who also played for the Rangers. So I think like one one quarter of their team or something like that, or one eighth of their team is, is former Rangers players. So it's funny that they met. They're um, Pardon me? Step on. Yeah. Um, so, as mentioned before, Austin Matthews is nominated for Hart among the two others, McDavid and Shesterkin. Some people are saying Shesterkin, but from what I've seen and heard on podcasts, it seems like it will, it's voted on by media, and it seems as though a lot of media are going to vote for 
Matthews because 60 goals hasn't happened in 10, 10, 11 years or nine years, whatever it was. Uh, what's your guys thinking on that? Like Matthews for hard or McDavid because he's another 100 point season? Sturkin because he's got the best number since Dominic Hasek in 98? What are we thinking here? Yeah, I think uh, I think Matthews for sure, but uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I think Shosturkin could make it pretty close. Um, McDavid at this point, we kind of know what to expect from from the guy. Uh, but yeah, I, I want to say it's between Matthews and Shosturkin, but Matthews comes out a little bit just because of the fact that uh, sixty goal scorer and I mean, without Matthews, would the Leafs be where they are now? Probably not where they uh, where they finished the season and uh, how they did in the regular season with the amount of points that they got. Um, yeah, I, I think Matthews wins, but uh, Shesterkin's definitely definitely going to make it close. Uh, his, he had a great season. I uh, I I agree that I think Matthews is going to win. I mean, I don't usually follow along to the the award voting, but I feel like this is the closest. There's been in in a in a while. I mean, I don't, I don't know 100 percent because I don't really pay attention. I usually just wait to hear who wins. But all three of these players have a legit chance to win it, and I think it's kind of like a toss up at this point. Obviously, as Leafs fans, we'd want Matthews to win, but like Kyle said, without Matthews, the Leafs wouldn't be where they were in the standings. But you could also argue that without Shesterkin, the Rangers wouldn't be there where they were. And without McDavid's 120 points, the Oilers wouldn't be where they were. So. I feel like it, it could be a toss-up, but as a least fan, I obviously want Matthews to win. Um, my opinion is, yeah, Matthews. Uh, Sturkin, yeah, 1998, some of the best numbers, but I think 60 goals is something that's impressive and, and 100 points that he had. But also, he came off wrist surgery, which I think is even more impressive. He came off for surgery. He missed the first, what, uh, five games? Then he had seven goals in the first 12, I think, or something like that. And then, like, by the time he had 10, I think Leon Dreisel and Alex Ovechkin had 20. And then he ended up beating Ovechkin by, what, 10 goals? Mm-hmm. Yeah, or, he only played more. 73 games, right? 73? He, he said he missed yeah. five? Well, no, and he missed... I think four at the end of the year plus the last one of the year. Oh yeah, for for sitting, uh, having rest before the. I uh... think he played sixty-eight games. Okay. And and he's got, I want to say seventy-two goals in his last eighty-three games. Wow. Like obviously he's. Oh, actually, now that I'm thinking about this, so. Over the course of uh, Sunday, when it was still fresh, obviously people are going to be posting stuff and all this other kind of mumble-jumble about what they think they should do. And So this guy put something on on Facebook. I think it's hilarious, so I screenshot it because I wanted to get your guys' opinion on it. Um, I also will just look up. He played, yeah, he played 73 games this year, yeah. He had 60 goals, 106 points. Um. So let me just let me just read this to you because I think it's hilarious. I'm not going to get into the nitty gritties of his name, but so this guy's thread 
or I probably won't read the whole thing word for word, but I'll give you the premise. So this guy's thread is about trading Matthews and how the about the haul that we could get for him. Stack this team with young and legit prospects, open up cap space, and we could get a really good defenseman for him as well. Uh, be smart. This man has to be fed up like a fat kid at Christmas. His stats are incredibly inflated. He leads the leagues in shots, and his assist numbers are very low. This guy had 46 assists this season. The Leafs are constantly looking to feed him and appease Matthews. Uh, he was shut down by a third line for most of the most part of the series, and he was a ghost in Game Seven. Matthews was like I thought one of the best Leafs players. He was always going the whole Game Seven, and disappeared for a very long time. He's not a playmaker, and when push comes to shove, you can shut him down. Nylander should also be the option. I would keep Marner because of his playmaking ability, but you could improve this team in the next two years. Matthews is not Mar- Marilyn Mew, Crosby, or or McDavid, but we could. We can market him in such and, as such and get a haul from him, which would probably be one of the biggest hauls in angel history for one player. And then Leafs need to stop acting so desperate. Matthews is going to ditch, blah, 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 typical, typical. So two things that I'd like to point out here. He starts off by saying Matthews is basically bullshit. And then at the end says that we'll get the biggest haul in angel history for him. Was there... When you read that, like when I've read the, I obviously didn't read it for word for word, but when I read it to you guys, were you guys angry at it? Because when I saw that, I was like, we're going here? This guy has 60 goals and 106 points in 73 games, and we're going to this spot again? Like, usually it's trade Martin or trade Nylander. It's never trade Matthews, and now people are saying trade Matthews because you've you've reached his window and he's basically going to be past his prime or he's going to leave. And he mentioned Nylander too. He yeah. He's like, both. yeah. Like, I don't know if you trade the, you could, the old Nylander and Tavares are the only two players on the, in the core four that I think you could bring back value. And if you trade Marner or Matthews, you're dumb. Is this guy playing NHL 22 via GM and just trying to have fun? That's what it sounds like. Yeah. I mean, the one thing that I thought was funny is, like, Scott pointed this out to me. Uh, Kyle Dubas said they're going to work on an extension on Matthews. But he's eligible for an extension, not this year, but next year, and it's the last year of his contract. And I think it was Scott that brought up to me that the, Kyle Dubas had said that he was going to look for an ex- or get an extension done. And then I saw Kyle Dubas say that, like, Matthews is, like, seems excited at the fact that an extension is coming. So, shouldn't we get off the pot or piss on this situation? Like, obviously, well, let's go. I think that this guy posted this for one of two reasons. One, he wanted attention, and he knew by making the most controversial, idiotic statement he could, people would flock to his post and either ridicule or praise him for being brazen enough to say it or ridicule him enough, or, like, ridicule him for coming out and saying it. Or... He's genuinely an idiot, and he knows nothing about the game of hockey. Like, how come when Austin Matthews puts up 60 goals and 46 assists, people say he's a one-dimensional player and at least need to get rid of him? But when Alexander Ovechkin puts up 73 goals and, and 37 assists, people say he's the greatest goal scorer since Wayne Gretzky. I, I did notice that, actually, lately, even with 
Um, I know McDavid's like a well-rounded player, but even with Drysaddle, like I don't know what Drysaddle's statistics were this season. I know he had like fifty, what fifty-four goals or something. But when yeah. he scores fifty goals, everyone says that it's because he's on a line with McDavid, or yeah, McDavid, and he's a well-rounded player and he's two-way and he gets back and this and that. But like Matthews also led the NHL in takeaways this season, so he's not obviously just a goal scorer or just an offensive player. And, I mean, I don't know. People may get mad at this, but I think this goes back to what we said. Uh, what was it? The sixth podcast we did, where it seems there's a lot of Leafs fans, you could call them wagon jumpers, who only started watching the Leafs again when they started making the playoffs, when they first caught Matthews and Marner and Nylander or whatever. And those 10 years before that, they were embarrassed to admit they were Leafs fans. So they bought into the hype, which, I mean, even non-wagon jumper, non-Leafs fans bought into the hype. But they bought into the hype of this being a championship caliber team, which it is. They just struggle in the playoffs. But it seems like now that they haven't made it out of the first round and the media has played it over and over and over again and they push narrative after narrative after narrative. These fans who pretended not to be Leafs fans for 10 years or gave up on the Leafs for 10 years who have now come back just hop onto Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or whatever other social media platform they can and say this team sucks because they can't make it out of the first round. So it just seems weird that he would say that when none of it is true. Obviously, the trade Nylander is a go-to in any game of the year. But like, did, I don't know, does he even watch the Leafs? Why would you trade you arguably the best player in the league? Uh, sorry, I had audio issues there. I didn't hear the last part, so Kyle, can you take it? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm in the same sense as you, Scott, where, um, the, this guy's, uh, remark is just him wanting attention and him at this point, just putting stuff out there and not really comprehending what he's saying here, because, uh, we're, we're not in a stage where you're going to throw, throw away two of your top. I don't know, let's say five players because uh, we'll include Riley in there. Uh, Tavares, Riley, Nylander, Marner, Matthews, let's say, right? That sounds right. Um, You're not going to throw away Nylander and Matthews now just because you're going to get a whole bunch of prospects and then you're going to have to restart everything again, basically, right? That's the way I look at it. Um, So why, why do that now? after you've lost another first round in the playoffs. So what? You still have more time to do this um, rather than starting fresh and going back to a Leafs team similar to, what, let's say 2015 when they were just – they had some players, but they weren't weren't quite there with regards to winning a playoff series – um, but yeah, I don't, I don't understand that whatsoever. I'm going to read you one more. We'll talk about it. Then we'll go to break so we can get to the season review. Okay. So this was a comment in that guy's post. Oh, sorry. There's another guy that said we need to trade Dubas because they're sorry. Fire Dubas and Janet because they only get guys that are five foot nine or whatever. So as opposed to me? the previous, as 
as opposed to the previous guy who only got big physical guys and it didn't work out for the least either. So, Exactly. So this is this guy's trade uh, breakdown. So Nylander, because he's got talent like Dougie, but doesn't have the heart. Trade Nylander for a first-round pick, a second-round pick, and a young prospect. Tavares, a 70-point two-way player. Trade Tavares and eat half his salary, get a first-round and a prospect. Marner, a less palpable, yep, you know the word, player to trade because of his, yeah, because of his creativity. Trade for Crosby, a first and two second rounders. Oh, my gosh. Why trade Matthews? Well, he never carries the puck. He doesn't put the team on his back and carries them to the next level. At $12 million a year, he doesn't make $12 million. He should be at ball to do that. Yes, he is six foot two, but he plays like he's five nine. He's I also don't believe that we can con- we can afford his contract when it's up. Then he goes on to say, trade him to Phoenix. Oh my so that just shows how old this guy is. Oh, so trade him to yep. Phoenix for four first round picks in 2022 and 2023. Each of these moves gives us seven to 50, or seven to twelve million dollars in cap plus the thirteen coming off the books. Actually, with if you're trading all four of your stars. That would give you like $30 million in cap plus 13 coming off the books. But it gets better. So, as mentioned, he's traded all of our stars now. Then that clears up $25 million in cap, which we could acquire to get some grit to use to protect those stars. What stars? Oh, yeah. You've traded them all. Yeah. You, have. you literally just traded away 250 points of players and added nobody. Your stars now curve foot. You added. You know what happens when Tron tries to get take four years to develop? Yeah, and you're getting so you're 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 trading Austin Matthews for just four picks. That's it, four four picks in two years. Yeah, but it's funny because when Toronto tried to get depth or sorry grit, we brought in Nick Ritchie. We traded Nick Ritchie by what January? Yeah, for Labushkin, which I think was a great deal. Yeah, me too. But it's because. Great. Like if you're bringing in Nick Ritchie, if you trade all four of those players and bring in Nick Ritchie's, we're going to be just as bad as Arizona. 100%. Yeah. Like, you know who tried to bring in great players? Montreal. Look how they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I was, two points here. I just want to touch on what that guy said and then what you just said. Does he watch the Leafs? Yeah, like five nine. Nylander, awesome, Nylander, the play or the play style of Dougie Gilmore, but not the heart. Nylander's arguably been the best Leaf the last two playoff series. Matthews doesn't have the clutch or whatever he said. He literally scored the game winner in Game Five. Yeah, and he plays like he's five nine. Meanwhile, he had like what twenty three hits in the last three games. Yeah, he's yeah. hitting. He's real power forward. The Nylander one's a given because no matter what he does, even if he's the best one on the ice, everybody automatically cries out for him to be traded. And the Tavares yeah. one seems like it's going to start being a given because he's getting older and may go down 10-point production from a 90-point player to an 80-point player. So clearly this guy doesn't didn't watch any of the playoffs this year, and he's just hopping on hopping on the bandwagon of the Leafs up, which there's numerous comments you could point out. And then to touch on your point there, the last three GMs the Leafs have had, before Kyle Dubas, Lula Morello, uh, Dave Nonis, Brian Burke, all wanted to add physicality, grit, big physical guys. And those three GMs are in that 18 years of first-round playoff 
after it. So why all of a sudden do we need to add physicality to, to complement our stars, which there'd be no stars if this guy had his way, when yep. the three GMs, the, the what was that, 12 years of, of, of the 18? Or nine years of the 18? Yeah, Brian those took GMs, over in like 2010. Yeah, like those three GMs added physical, added grit, added big, added size, and the Leafs didn't win. Yeah, we may not have had the stars we do now. We still had Kessel, who's a, almost a 50 goal, if not... Like he, like he had the potential to be a fifty goal guy. We still had Van Riemsdyk. We still had Bozak. We still had Kadri. Like they may not be as good as Matthews and Martin, but they're still like point producers. But to say we need to add, get rid of the the, the wussy ballerinas on skates, and, and jump into adding depth. <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> with physicality. Like the last three GMs of the Leafs have tried that. Like Brian Burke literally traded up to draft a player who's never played in the NHL when he could have kept his pick or at that pick he traded up for and drafted Nikita Kucherov. But instead he wanted a big physical player who could dominate on the ice, and that player has never played a game in the NHL. I don't think he played many in the AHL either. So, so that narrative of the least need to add physicality is kind of getting old when you ignore the last 10 years of them trying to add physicality, and it's not working out for them. And you can even point to this playoff. Yeah, Wayne Simmons is a good player. But when he was on the ice, he was a liability because no matter what he did, he'd get a penalty. Even if he wasn't involved in a scrum, they'd give him matching like coincidental penalties and he'd be in the penalty box. So I don't this narrative of the Leafs need to add physicality needs to stop because it hasn't worked out for them in the past. So why would it work out for them now? I uh I think that's funny like that you mentioned that. Um, I actually forgot what I was going to say now, so never mind. Um, <laughs> I was just looking at the John Navarre's contract. We have three years left at $11 million, obviously. Oh, this is what I was going to say. So John Tavares came off a contract that paid him $5.5 million. Okay? $33 million in total. At 10.05 on Saturday night when Jack Campbell... Well, technically became a UFA, right? Everyone the next morning said Jack Campbell deserves a payday. He's made $5.45 million in his career so far. He's going to make that in one season. He deserves the payday. He's earned it. He's worked hard for it. If any other person, like anyone, if this guy, the guy who wrote the first comment, if me, you, or Kyle, anyone was in that situation, coming off of 5.5 being one of the best players in the league, why wouldn't you take $11 million? Like, people are acting, and yes, you can say, I'll take a pay cut, blah, blah, blah. Like, I would, if I played for Toronto and I was in the NHL, I would definitely take a hometown discount in this situation to try and win. Yes. But at the end of the day, you've earned that money. If a team's going to offer you, like, John Tavares literally got offered, like, almost $15 million a season by San Jose, and he turned it down to come to Toronto for eleven. He took a pay cut. It doesn't seem like much, but like people are complaining because he makes him eleven and he's a wuss and this and that. Like you're probably just a big a wuss. Like you're a, you're a keyboard warrior. And secondly, you would take that money just because you're working a, a forty or fifty thousand dollar a year job doesn't mean that you get to comment all the time about these athletes that are are making millions upon millions upon millions about how they get paid too much. Blah blah blah. Like that's what pisses me off is when it's. 
when it's Austin Matthews' time to come due and he's scored, say, 60 goals for the next, say, or 50 goals for the next three years, including a 60, and he wants $15 million, everyone's going to say he's overpaid. But if Jack Campbell got 7 or $8 million after having the relatively just above average season that he had this year, people are going to say it's great for him because he's got a backstory that makes you feel sympathy. That irritates me. You know what? You know who deserves to get paid? People who produce. So if it's Jack Campbell and it takes him 10 years, or it's Austin Matthews and it takes him five, or John Tavares and it takes him seven to get the contract, everyone earns the right at UFA. Everyone earns the right to go to market. These players earn the right, except these players decided to stay Matthews, Marner, Nylander with their team. Also, Nylander did mention his press game, uh, post-game or postseason press conference there that he hears the talk. And he's heard it since he got here, and he thinks it's hilarious. So keep talking about him. I just want to keep making point. comments about how he gets traded. Quick Pardon? point before Kyle talks. Didn't Tavares, like I know $11 million is so a lot, but didn't he take less than what was offered to him? Like, Yeah. Whoever it was, the Islanders, whoever, like we're going to offer him more than $11 million. Yeah, Toronto was the one of the lowest level, lowest offered teams. Like Montreal offered him 13 I think San Jose offered him almost 15. The Islanders were offering him, I think, 12 or something like that. And he did take less to come to Toronto. It just doesn't seem like much because he's making 11. It's funny because if he played played his first season in Montreal when he scored 47 goals and he didn't come to Toronto because Toronto would say they don't want to pay that much money, you know how many people would bitch and complain? Yeah. We could have had this guy. We could have had this guy. And and Look at Nathan Condry. Everybody wanted them gone. Like, or maybe not everybody, but Twitter, Facebook fans, whatever. You, you couldn't find a comment. And if you did, it was rare to say, Nas and Kadri needs to stay on this team. Every comment was, we need to get rid of this guy because he's costing us in the playoffs. He goes to Colorado. Two years later, he's putting up almost 90 points. And everybody's like, why'd you get rid of this guy? We should have kept him. Like, no, not many fans wanted Nas and Kadri on the team by the time he was traded. Because he was a liability in the playoffs. But now that he's putting up 90 points, All the, they, they do a 180 on their opinion, and they're like, oh, we shouldn't have got rid of this guy. What were the Leafs thinking? Well, they were catering to the fans who didn't want him on the team. Yeah, and um, um, now, you'll, uh, now you'll get comments, Scott, saying, oh, well, Kadri's put up 90 points because he's playing on a team in Colorado. Yeah, so, but you don't see him playing with... Uh, with McKinnon and Landeskog or Antonin, yeah, he plays on the power play with them. Uh, but yeah, he, when when he he plays regularly, I'm pretty sure he plays with Burakovsky. So yeah, I and, and Nadrushkin. Yeah, so it's not like it's not like uh, they're getting 30 minutes of power play time a game. So and it's, it's, it's funny not... because he he also like if, if if McKinnon didn't get injured as much as he did this year, I don't think Dodger would have put up. As my point. Yeah, you do have a point there because that's when he did step into play with uh, Ranton. Because I know Landis Gog at one point was hurt as well. Yeah. Um, but I think it's ironic, though. If, if the least somehow Cap wizarded and Kadri was still on this team, he'd still be putting up 80. He put, this year, he probably would have put up 80 points. Oh, for sure. So, like, it, it's not a fluke that he did it. It's just, and everybody's like, oh, of course he does it when he's not on the Leafs. Why would you get rid of him? Like, yeah. There's players throughout Leafs history that have been traded because the fans hated them. The fans called 
Larry Murphy, Frank Mahovlich. Like, so I don't know. Like, Toronto just maybe maybe it's just me. I don't really follow much fan bases in the terms of how influential they are to the GM. But it seems like Toronto's fans are, are incredibly influential when it comes to certain players that they don't want, and then the team has to get rid of them. Um, just looking here uh, quick about that, and then we got to get to the ad break. Um, John Tavares was offered seven years, $91 million from San Jose. So he left $14 million on the table. He also got offered $88 million for 11 years, or sorry, $11 million at eight years for 88 because the Islanders had his right to offer the eighth year. Uh, Montreal was in there somewhere around 12, too. Also, it's not PJ Boy. They're bed sheets. Just throwing that out there because, like, people say it as a joke. Like, some people in the, in, in the inside the rink group chat, they say it as a joke because they think it's funny. But it was bed sheets. If you're going to make fun of the guy, actually get it right because you just seem stupid. Everyone's was putting like, on Facebook, oh, PJ boy. And, and he was, like, six. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, you probably... I still have. I will throw it up right now, but I still have a. I would have a trauma belief curtain that matched that those 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 sheets. I had it up until I got blackout curtains, and like I'm proud of it. I don't know why. I mean, and I'm I'm tw- well, now 24. This was like when I was 21. I I don't know why like, people have Curtis, who's that least fan that goes like yes sir on Twitter and tw- TikTok. He literally has a full basement full of trauma belief stuff, and people think he's the greatest fan. But because John Tavares wants to come home and he's sleeping in fucking bed sheets people are like oh you're a wimp pj boy like he thinks that's hilarious he laughs at that all the time when people call him pj boy he's like it's bed sheets you seem like an idiot anyways we'll move on to uh to the season review so buckle up uh we'll be back quick break and uh we'll get right into her And now a quick word from our show sponsors and friends of Inside the Rink. BetUS. BetUS has your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lineups for the 27th year of live betting. Sign up for BETUS.com with promo code RINK for your 125% sign-up bonus. Again, use the promo code RINK for your 125% sign-up bonus. Play with a proven mainstay in the industry. Bet US. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com We're back. Use that promo code. I believe the promo code is RINK. Capital R-I-N-K. Use it. Bet. Make some money. In fact, you could have made some decent money last night on the Edmonton game because Edmonton did come back. I mean, they ended up losing. But if by chance they won, you would have made probably some big dollars if you bet when it was 6-2. Uh, season review, obviously, we took some time to think about what we wanted to talk about. So it's kind of uh, not going to be scripted, but the ideas that we have are kind of pre-planned. So let's get into her here. Um, I'm actually going to retake that and say let's get into it here because that did not sound appropriate. Um, Scott, Kyle, who wants to start? Pick a topic. Let's hit it. Uh, Kyle, you take it. Let, yeah, let's start off with uh, just the fact of 
uh, the Leafs having the most points by their team. Uh, Scott, what's your uh, what's your take on this? Um, Sorry, I was dying there for a second. That's I'm still okay. The effects of COVID. Um, the the lead, What was your question? <laughs> uh, the um, Leafs record record breaking points this year. Oh uh, yeah, I thought it was impressive. People going into the season had the hate Dubas crowd had put on how the Leafs had statistically been worse and worse every year. I guess not really taking into account the shortened COVID seasons. But then to come back this year and and not dominate, but put up the greatest Leafs season ever, point-wise, win-wise, whatever you want to say. Yeah, I thought it was incredibly impressive. And it kind of just um, stuck into the haters who said that they were, weren't going to do as good this year as they had in the past. Yeah, just to add to your point, um, yeah, I think uh, crazy season for the Leafs. Uh, amazing at the fact that they got a record uh, most points by the team. And um, I'm seriously surprised that Florida did as well as they as they did. Um, I think the Leafs, with 115 points, definitely could have ended up being a first-place team in the division. Um, if you were to look at other divisions, like Carolina came first, 116 points, Colorado 119 points in first, and uh, Calgary 111. Yeah, the Leafs definitely could have could have ended up first if uh, Florida wasn't as good as they were. But yeah, overall great season, and uh, we'll try and break that record of 115 points next year. That would be uh, that would be cool if we could. Uh, I want to talk uh, on the individual statistics. Some that come to mind, obviously, are Matthews. We mentioned 106, Marner, 97. Uh, uh, William Nylander set an all-time record with 80 points. John Tavares with 76. Morgan Riley with 68. Those aren't season record or career records. But here's one that is, and I'm super impressed by this one. Mr. Michael Bunting, Scarborough's very own with 63 points. Obviously, he's playing on Matthew's line. Makes makes sense. And Marner's line makes sense why he'd be up there in points. But he was supposed to be a depth player. Nick Ritchie was supposed to take that spot. Nick Ritchie bit the dust. In comes Ilya Labushkin. And here comes Michael Bunting with 63 points on the year. And nominated for Calder, although he was born like three days before the cutoff. Still nominated. Um, I don't know what you guys thought coming in with Michael Bunting, but I did not think 63 points. Also, another one that stands out, not for points-wise, but David Camp. That guy's a wizard at the draw. He's won. He won 52.9%. Same as Jason Spezza. Which was uh, on par. The most regular face-off man. Well, it was third on the team behind Tavares and, and Matthews, which you'd expect, but he'll be a good replacement or a good. Uh, he's kind of reminds me of like a, a lesser Phil Deneau. Like he just goes there, he does his job, he does it well, and he moves on. Yeah, he, he that's exactly what he is, Spencer, and um, lacks the offensive production that Phil Deneau has, and maybe the speed isn't the same, but. Uh, David Camp is definitely more of a uh, defensive 
uh, forward for sure. And um, amazing on the penalty kill. Uh, he's we, Leafs have really been looking for a guy to uh, solidify a solid penalty kill um, along with Marner. We've seen Marner the last couple of years. Um, so David Camp was a really good signing for Dubis. Um, just to add to your bunting point, yeah, 63 points in 79 games. That's crazy for uh, for what he, he's considered a rookie, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't think so, right, being how old he is. Um, people are going to say, yeah, he played with Matthews and Marner the whole year. Yeah, he did, but uh, he, he worked hard. He's a hard worker. And let's just take into consideration how many penalties he drew. Um, I'm pretty sure he's first in the league how many penalties he draw. Um, and I hope he can keep up the production next year. And it was kind of a perfect fit for him lining up with Matthews and Marner. Um, I don't think anyone would have predicted that going into the year. They just thought uh, Nick Ritchie would fit in perfect, but uh, not everything works out. And yeah, good for bunting. I'm looking forward to next year with them. And uh his contract's still pretty solid. I think he's at what seven fifty or something. He's still something. Uh, he's at nine fifty. Nine fifty. Okay. Yeah, that's that's crazy for for the amount of uh, production he put up. I uh, I'm super shocked by that one, Scott. What you, what's your take on this? Yeah, going thinking back to the off season, I feel like Michael Bunting had the season Nick Ritchie was supposed to have. Nick Ritchie is supposed to be the top-line guy who was putting up on a line with Matthews and Marner those 60, 70 points. Everybody, I mean, maybe they didn't expect him to put up 60 points, so they expected him to contribute offensively. And then when that didn't happen, they shuffled Bunting up there, and, and he kind of just took over. But I think we've mentioned in previous episodes how impressed we, or I have anyway, how impressed I've been with Bunting this season. And then Kyle bringing up the, the drawing penalties, people didn't, that don't necessarily like that because they consider them rats. Look at Brad Marchand, but I think it's a it's a skill to have <clears throat> that benefits your team. Excuse me. The only thing I will say is I hate when people say he shouldn't be rookie of the year because he was on a line with Matthews and Marner. And take away his age, if if he was 22 and he was still playing with Matthews and Marner, it's still impressive that he put up 60 points. Like some of those were goals, so he obviously had to have skill to shoot it. It just baffles my mind when you sit like. Some people say, yeah, he's on line with Matthews and Marner, so he those points are inflated. Which you can't blame him. He didn't he didn't ask to play there. He just was given the opportunity and took advantage of it. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I think that's weird. I mean, I understand he's like twenty six, gonna be twenty seven soon. I understand why people think it's weird, but end of the day he still is a rookie and yeah, there is some there are some goals that were nice too. He scored, I, I believe, a hat trick in one of the games. He scored that nice play with Mitch Marner. Remember when he like circled back and dropped it to him, mm-hmm. and then Marner did it, or Marner did it first, and then Bunting did it back to Marner. Like he just he's just that type of guy that I think that we needed, especially on that line. Um, obviously, the season individually and together was was a great season. Now the question shifts to the offseason. And this is where I want to spend some bulk of time talking because this is going to be 
the plan for the podcast going forward, the draft, the free agency, weeks leading up to free agency, the before the draft, all of those kind of stuff. We're going to be talking about different players that we think that we should be bringing in, moving out, contracts we should do with whatever. Um, so right now we have Yuli uh, McCabe as a UFA, Andre Cash as an RFA, Pierre Ingvall as an RFA. Nope. Yep. Pierre Ingvall. Sorry. And then we have Jason Spezza, who says all day, every day, all all day long that he wants to stay in Maple Leaf. If he wants to play still, this is the only team he'll play for. So, obviously, welcome Jason Spezza back. If I'm sure there'll be a spot for him. Colin Blackwell's a UFA, and on D we've got Mark Giordano, who's a UFA, Ilya Labushkin, who's a UFA, Rasmus Sandy, and Timothy Lilligren, who are RFAs. Which Elliot Freeman did say. Apparently, there's like some preliminary, pre, you know the words. God help me all with this one. Preliminary. Yep. Talk uh, about contracts that they'll get like a two to three year bridge deal at less than two million or around one million, one point five to try and until they become obviously the superstars that they're supposed to be. Well, not superstars, but you guys know what I mean. And obviously, Jack uh, Campbell is the UFA as well. So. What what area do you guys want to start with? Forwards, defense, goalie. You want to start with goalie? Yeah, we can start sure. with goalie. Okay, and also worth noting, one point two million dollars comes off the cap from Phil Kessel's retaining, so that will help. Uh, Jack Campbell makes one point six five right now. He's a UFA. People are saying he's going to get a payday. He's made like five and a half to five point seven million dollars his career. People are estimating five point five. And lastly, before we get the straight or contact uh, conversation started. Toronto offered him what, Scott? 2.7? 2.75 or somewhere around there, yeah. So let's talk about it. Um, Jack Campbell, what's your guys' thoughts? Yeah, I think um, I think you could get him uh, back for sure, uh, depending on what the cost is. Uh, you said 2.7, so um, yeah, I mean, if that's what they offered them. I don't see him accepting that. He'll obviously counter. Um, I'd, I'd give him somewhere around four or five if that's what he if that's what he wanted. I think he's proved that he's a good um, good goaltender. Um, otherwise, looking at the market, like if they decide, oh yeah, we, we're not going to work with him, um, we're going to move on and uh, try someone new. Then uh, I don't know. You got Flurry. Flurry's going to want a lot, and he's older though, right? Um, and he wants to go back to Pittsburgh. Yeah, I don't. I don't even see that happening though. Jari's there, and I don't. He's been pretty. He's good. a free agent though. I'm pretty sure. Oh, he's a free agent. I think so. Okay. But I'm not sure. Like it will depend. Also, Bill Guerin spoke openly about resigning Mark Andre Fleury. So. Yeah. Um, and just to continue, there's like Miko Koskinen, but you're not going to throw Miko Koskinen into a number one role. Um, I see Darcy Kemper is a UFA from Colorado, but I could see him easily resigning with Colorado. Um, and then I guess the other one, the fourth best is looks like it's Thomas Grice, and uh, yeah, he would not uh, he'd not be someone that I would bring in as a as a number one goalie. So uh, yeah, is Cam Talbot available? Um. Maybe he is. I thought Cam Talbot was a free agent. He could. Not that I would give Cam Talbot 
I mean, he is. A, he he could be a starter. He started all year for Minnesota. Yeah, I th- I don't know. Um. Yeah, I would I would try and resign Campbell. I'd give him five. If that's what he wants. Then yeah, I think he's worth it. Um, Scott, what's your take on this? Five for only a couple years, though. He is thirty, going to be thirty-one. I wouldn't give him. Yeah, no, I wouldn't I do any more than three years. Yeah, and apparently he wants a five by five or six by six. So. Oh yeah, no, I I, I wouldn't give him like three years. Yeah, five for three, I think. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't think he's coming back. <clears throat> I feel if him and his agent have agreed to whatever five, five and a half, whatever, whatever it was, and the Leafs have come in with a low, you could call it a low ball of two point seven five. I, I don't see him going any lower than five, personally. He he might obviously. I'm not I'm not an expert in any sense of the word. But I, I don't see him signing for anything less than five. But, and I don't think the Leafs are going to want to pay him $5 million to be the goalie next year, especially with some of the other players they have to resign and the cap issues they've already had coming into the season. Which sucks because I, I like Campbell this year. The last couple of years I was kind of annoyed that people were, were kind of shoving Anderson out the door and in favor of Jack Campbell. But this year he kind of impressed me. I, I hope they bring him back, but I... I don't know if the Leafs keep going lower than than what he wants by that large of a margin. I I don't see him coming back. Now, who do you think he would go to? Do you think he would go to Detroit? Detroit. I'm pretty sure he's from uh he's from Michigan. Yeah, that, we've said that. Yeah, before. Kalamazoo, I think. Yeah. I could see him going to Detroit. Honestly, with a player like him, I think it's just whoever offers him the right contract. I I I, I mean, he'd probably prefer to play for Detroit because it's his hometown team, but. Just his personality strikes me as the kind of guy who doesn't really care where he plays as long as he gets the chance to play. I I think you're right on that, Scott, but I also think that's going to play into the factor of him wanting to come back to Toronto. Like, he knows if he comes back, his job's secure. He loves his teammates. His teammates love him. The fans love him. They literally chant soup every time he makes a save. Even if it's just a regular, like, in-his-chest save, like, they're screaming soup. So... I would give I would offer four and a half, five million, whatever. And there's some players that I would trade out to make that happen. But I would also consider this. Like we're talking about goalies, obviously, Jack Campbell. I've stated that I would want him back. But I would also if you could trade Peter Morazic's contract, and Shawgren's a reliable backup, sure. But there's also one other goalie on the goalie market right now that I would consider potential getting as a backup, and that's Scott Wedwood. Scott Wedgwood has kind of had the same career path as Jack Campbell, except he hasn't amounted to a starter 100% yet. I think he was a starter for Arizona, but it's Arizona. He played a little bit in New Jersey, but again, New Jersey. Um, but like, if if you're kind of skeptical on Eric Schalgren or maybe the team isn't 100% sure what, what's going to happen next year, I think that you could throw $900,000 at Scott Wedgwood. And Scott Wedgwood and Jack Campbell could be your, your tandem. Um, but also, that being said, there is Joseph Wool and there is Eric Schalgren, who I like both those guys. So, I mean, I would say Jack Campbell comes back. Um, this will transition to the next point here. There's been some talk, which I believe I said this on the podcast like a couple weeks ago. Correct me if I'm wrong. But I was the one, well, not I wasn't the only one on this podcast, but we were the ones who said Jake Muzzin. Like, I brought the point up to you guys that Jake Muzzin might, sh- should be considered to be traded, right? Yeah. 
yet. Now everyone, not because of me, obviously, or because of us, but people are jumping on that. I think there's only a couple teams that he'll go to if he did because he's got no, no movement clause or no trade clause. I think one would be potentially back to L.A., and L.A. is looking for a little bit more experience and everything. He makes 5.625. So if you traded, in a realistic world, if you traded Jake Muzzin and used Mark Giordano, although he's 38, and then you trade Justin Hollins on Ilya Labushkin, I think you just replace those two players for potentially half of what that that contract is. That's literally $7.625 million. And if you trade Peter Mrazek in that too, that's an extra 3.8, which you could use to sign Jack Campbell. And then your defense would look something like Jake Muzzin, or sorry, Morgan Riley, Ilya Bushkin, TJ Brody, Mark uh, Giordano, Rasmus Andy, and Timothy Lilligren, and then you need an extra defenseman who they have some, like, Mac Holloway in the minors. Um, and there's other options, obviously. Like, what do you guys think? Like, Jake Muzzin obviously has three years left at 5.6. He's 33 years old, kind of injury prone now. I'll, yeah, he's he was reliable in the, in the, in the postseason, but, like, if Mark Giordano can do that, what do you think? Yeah, I um, I think that's a good way to uh, clear up some cap space for sure. Um, what do you think they bring Giordano back on? Well, apparently they offered they like they're talking like a lower deal, and and from what I've, I've understood is Jason Spets kind of convinced them to try and take less. So I heard as much as two million. Okay, that'd be pretty good because uh, I know right now it was like almost four, right? Yeah, he's right now he's getting paid like almost seven, but he's making three point three seven five. But I'm not like yeah. I'm not hearing this from inside sources. I'm just hearing this from Elliot Friedman and, and and people on Twitter and Instagram that are saying like, here's the source. This is what people are saying on their podcast. But also the other thing is apparently a quote unquote inside source said that he was kind of disappointed in the fact that Calgary made to the second round. So I don't know. I think that just could be someone making something up because he said that he likes Toronto when he he's no secret that he enjoyed his time here. So maybe. It's kind of just a throw it back in our face, but yeah, that, Scott, that what's just, your that, that just sounds like rumors to me. The mad that Calgary made the second round. Um, I, I mean, I I think in past episodes, so it should come as no surprise that uh, we're a big big uh, proponent of getting rid of Justin Hall, which clears up cap. And if you have to get rid of Jake Muzzin, do that too, then I'd be perfectly fine with that. Uh, Giordano, I think, yeah, you could, you could probably convince him to take around two, resign Labushkin, and then give playing time to Sandin and Lilligren, and then just sign that extra or sign a guy to play um, in and out when needed. I think that, yeah, I think it's, it's workable. It may not be the uh, best option. People might get mad that they're getting rid of all this defense, but if you need to clear room, then players are going to need to be expendable. And especially with Jake Muzzin's history of injuries, I think he he's an obvious choice. And then I feel like eventually Justin Hall is just going to have to be moved because there's going to be no room for him. And I think Justin Hall has two million dollars left for one more season, if I'm not mistaken. Let me look here. Justin Hall has yeah yeah, yeah this year. Um, but also, like, Rasmus Sandin, or sorry, um, Kyle Dubas and, and uh, Sheldon Keefe both said that they expect Sandin and Lilligren to be regular NHL players going forward. 
So, I mean, that could be someone's some kind of like obviously, yeah, someone's got to go because someone's got to go. Like that's obviously what they're meaning. But it could also like Mark Giordano could not resign Toronto, and then it could be Jake Muzzin. But I still think in that world, you you trade Jake Muzzin still, and you bring in an extra guy, whether he like, I mean. There's numerous candidates, some candidates that come to mind just looking at this list for that kind of shutdown shutdown role who are left. Um, ben Chirot, like, I don't know how much he'd want. Obviously, I don't know if Florida can afford him. He might take two or three. He he likes Toronto, I know that. He, he thought about coming here before Montreal. So, like, there's obviously options, but I just think right now, as it stands... Your priority list for free agency to me goes like this: Jack Campbell, Giordano, Labushkin at two. You need to get them both done. You need to figure out what Jack Campbell's doing. You don't need to necessarily sign him if he's not going to sign back, but you need to talk to his agent. And apparently, from what Kyle Dubas said at at whatever it was ten o five on Saturday night, this is why I said that at ten o five on Saturday night, that conversation started with what do we do next? And apparently, Brandon Preetam, who's the assistant GM who's the cap guy for Toronto is already sitting down this week. Going to be sitting down and talking to players, agents and trying to get things done with McCabe and et cetera, and try and figure out where they are. So right now I think it's Jack Campbell, Labushkin, Giordano, and thirdly, um, Colin Blackwell, obviously Jason Spezza, but the priority of Jason Spezza is only like, he's not going anywhere else. So you just need to figure out if he wants to play, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I think for me anyway, I think obviously Campbell's the number one because Kyle ran through some goalies you could add, but I don't think any of them would have as good a season as Jack Campbell had this year, next year, if if Jack Campbell could continue to play that well. But then I I think the next the next level would be your depth forward. Obviously, Giordano and Labushkin are important. I feel like Labushkin could resign. And then, like you said, if Giordano leaves, then you, you still have Muzzin that could play in that situation. But I, I feel like the, the second level of importance on free agency of people leaving is, is your depth forward, whether it's McKayev or Engvall or Blackwell or Spezza or whoever, whoever they're planning on bringing back. Now, well, right um, now, right. the depth forwards that are gone, UFAs are Ilya McKayev. Apparently, he's going to ask around four. Um, and then there's RFA's Andre Kasha, who Toronto obviously has his rights, so Toronto might be able to bid for a 1.25 contract again because he only put up 27 points because he had injuries, or maybe a one and a half. And Pierre Ingvall, who's an RFA, and I think that's the same situation. I don't think he's getting more than one and a half. So yeah, those guys are prioritized, obviously. But I think with the RFA, you have more time because they can't really do much. You you own their rights. But like Ilya McKay, I I don't see a world where they bring him back. And then Jason Spitz and Colin Blackwell. I think Colin Blackwell is vitally important to bring back. He's an energy dude. I think if you don't get someone in the top six, he could play that role in the top six with like in and out with Tavares. The other person I'd want to mention to you guys while we're talking about it, you guys say what's your piece. And then also think about Alex Kerfoot. He's got two years left. Does he stay? Well, technically one after this year. Does he stay? Does he go? What's your guys' thoughts? Tell me, tell me. Does um, McCabe really want? Does McCabe really want four million dollars? That's yeah. apparently the rumor is like he he can get a quote unquote four million dollars on the open market. 
because he had 20, what, 22 goals? He's a PK specialist, too. People will pay for that. Yeah, I wouldn't give him four. Uh, Yeah, I think that'd be a mistake. And he's 27, so this is like the first real time he'll ever test for agency, obviously, before he signed with Toronto, but he was a Russian free agent. And yeah, he's 27, so this could be the last time before he goes back to Russia. He could get four for four, four for five, three and a half for five, whatever the deal is. But I could see teams like like Washington and stuff taking a run at that. Um, yeah, I, I don't think four million is going to happen with McKayev and the Leafs. Um, I think they're just going to kind of be like, yeah, thanks, uh, thanks for your time, but four million, that's not going to work out with us. Um, but yeah, some of the guys like Andre Kasha, I don't know if I would go back with him. Uh, he's kind of in a, in a depth role and, uh, we didn't really see much of him. So, uh, like you said, he was injured. Um, but Engvall, Engvall, I'd try and definitely go back for. Um, I'd like to see more of Nick Robertson this year. So I want, I want a spot kind of um, put out for him, and even uh, even Abrazizi, Zizi, however you say his name. I don't even want to start this conversation about that. Um, those, those two guys are, are two guys that I want to see. Uh, I wouldn't say regularly in the lineup, but I, I don't really want to see them. Uh, I don't want to see Robertson for sure back down with the Marlies. I know he's, he's 20, um, still really young, but I, I'm hoping next year is his, uh, is his year where he'll, where he'll uh, start producing like his brother, his brother did. Obviously they're not going to put him up in the, uh, the first line, or at least I don't think so. But, uh, yeah, I, I hope he's uh, going to be able to produce next year and stay up at the club. Uh, yeah, we we actually talked about this last week, but because of technical issues, we had to cut it from the podcast where we kind of, like, gave uh, who we think in bottom six is going to come back. And last, last week or last episode, whenever it was, I said that the only – and I had Kerfoot in the top six – I think they should keep their foot personally. And so I said that the only three I feel like are, that are coming back in the bottom six are Spezza, Blackwell, and Camp. I think Mikhail at $4 million, you just let him walk. You could sign another free agent for a little bit less. That could probably put up 20 goals. I mean, Engvall to me is kind of in and out. He has stretches where he's good, stretches where he's bad. And that... I really showed in the playoffs where the first couple games I thought he was really good, and then the last four games he was non-existent, in my opinion. And then I feel like Simmons or Clifford or whichever one you want to keep, the other one has is probably going to go. And then that leaves spots for the Abercity or Robertson or even Joey Anderson if you want to give him a shot, or other free agents you could bring in to replace on depth. Spencer, if you're um, talking, you're muted. Yep, I was talking, and I am muted. <laughs> um, I don't know what's going on. Sometimes I'll click mute, mute, and then it doesn't go, and then like four minutes later it says Mike is muted. So 
Thanks for telling me, guys. Um, I said I was just saying, like I did agree with Scott last week. Uh, I think Clifford, he's the UFA, or he's uh, three years until he's UFA, but he's thirty-one. He signed like a minor league contract essentially. I think he's just going to run his course and withdraw to one in the organization, then retire. Wayne Simmons, I could see him potentially getting traded. I know not what everyone wants to hear, but I think after this playoff and, and kind of the team showed that they don't really need that big and humble tough style, but I mean, at the same time, he could be that 13th forward. Um, but I do have one other thing that I think personally, there's two There's two players that come to mind with free agency that I think Toronto could try and get if they lose Mikheyev. One of them is Nick Paul. He's a local kid. Obviously, I don't know if Tampa's going to be able to afford him. Apparently, he uh, he wanted upwards to 2.5 in, in, the, in Ottawa said that they couldn't sign him. Um, okay, sorry, there's three players, sorry. One is Johan Larson uh, to fill the Ilya, Ilya Mikheyev role um, for cheaper. And then lastly is Tyler Mott. I think that that's a guy that Toronto will also kind of look at to fill that depth role. But going back to your point, Kyle, Kyle Dubas did say that he thinks like we need more from the Marlies. So whether that be Brett Cini, who people are kind of iffy about because he's 5'10", Kerfoot, Anderson, or sorry, uh, Robertson, Anderson, those type, those style players. I think, I think we'll see more more spots um, made up for that. But yeah, I think Blackwell will be one of the main guys that come back next year, like in the in the in the bottom portion there. And and, and it's important to use these ECL guys because they're making like the minimum that they can make. So, Abrazizi, Robertson, Joey Anderson. Um, I don't even know who else is on an ECL that you could call up. There is the Dmitry Ozhikin, Ozhin, Ozhinikov, Ozhinikov, I believe. Uh, he's he's 19, though, but apparently he's supposed to be a good player. There's also Alex Steves. Um, and, and there's one other guy who I think Toronto could use eventually, and that's Curse Douglas. He's a big dude. He's like 6'8 or 6'6. Like he's a, he's a pretty big dude. So I think there's lots of... Um, Lots of prospects or lots of players in the minors that they could they could put to use, leaving more money to sign players like Campbell, etc. Yeah. What about um, I, I just noticed looking at a, a free agency list here, Spencer. Um, your buddy uh, Nick Delorier becomes a free agent. I was actually going to say him, but I just apparently from what from what Elliot Freeman was talking about, like the suitors for him are like Minnesota again, Anaheim obviously again which people are thinking that he will go back to Anaheim and he'll be that same style role where he'll play the one year and then at the trade deadline, he'll help Anaheim by getting pieces for him, but he'll go to a playoff contender. But people are saying that because he's friends with all those guys that got beat up and he likes Anaheim, he thinks that they think that he'll go back. Uh, Dallas, uh, St. Louis, Minnesota, and I think like L.A. or something. Like he Apparently he wants to stay on the West Coast, which okay. is weird because he's from Montreal. Yeah. I was going to say, is Montreal a suitor that... Uh, and he that, played for Montreal at the start of his career. I think he was drafted by Montreal before he became the Nick DeLore that everyone likes. And he's a sweet penalty killer, man. Like, he's a sweet penalty killer. So, I mean, it wouldn't be bad for Toronto to get him, but I, I don't see Toronto getting him just based on that information that I heard. So, uh, 
quickly here before we wrap it up. Obviously, this is going to be going on every, basically every episode uh, that we do. We'll talk a little bit more about players. We'll have a little bit more open discussion. Um, hopefully, we can. I want to try and get someone else on as a guest star to try and get their opinion on what what they think Toronto should do or players that they think that they should bring back. Um, but let's let's name before we before we wrap it up. Let's name one player each that you think, whether it be big name, depth, whomever, that you think Toronto should target this offseason, whether it be trade, free agency, draft, whatever. And the reasoning can be very small or it can be detailed. Uh, Scott, you want to start? Do you have a player in, in mind? Uh, yeah, I'll go. I think, okay. I don't know this player, what he wants. Like, I haven't heard anything about his contract, what his want is for a contract or anything like that. You may have to do some cap shuffling. If you're getting rid of Muzzin Hall, that may solve the solution. Uh, but my pick is Ricard Raquel. I feel like he could be a good fit on the second line with Nylander and Tavares to solidify that top six with your Matthews, Marner, Bunting top line. Obviously, from what I said a couple minutes ago, that would bump Kerfoot down to your third line, which is fine because I thought he, at times throughout the season, he played well with David Camp. If you're bringing back Engvall, then that could be an energy line for you. But yeah, I feel like Ricard Raquel could be a good option to solidify that top six for the Leafs, 40, 50-point guy, who playing with Tavares Nylander could could go back to being a 60, 70, 80-point guy. My pick. pickup. Oh, it definitely would yeah. be. I think his contract was only like 3.5 this past year, so if you could try to convince him to take around there, if you're dumping Muzzin's five and Justin Alls three, I think you could, you could squeeze him in with that. In between three to three point five. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see the Leafs go out and uh, and get good Branson, big stay-at-home defenseman who can uh, who can be your sixth right-handed defenseman. Um, right now he's making one point nine five. Um, I could see him getting around two. I think he'd be worth it. Um, I just want to see the Leafs go and get that big physical defenseman um, that if someone's going to hit someone and get knocked down or cheap shot, uh, this guy just comes in and s- steps in. Um, I don't. We haven't seen a defenseman like that um, on the Leafs in a while. Um, yeah, since Brian McCabe. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So... Uh, <laughs> I'd I'd love to so see a guy like Good Branson come to uh, come to Leafs. He's also he's also from Ottawa, so maybe that'll uh, maybe that'll have something to do with it. Brian McCabe until he got thrown around like a rag doll by the Denver. Exactly. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think that like, Zadorov's also a free agent. Obviously, he plays on the line with Branson and Calgary. I think both of them are going to get re-signed. I think that line as like a big physical tough defender defenders who throw their weight around and really don't give a shit about who they hit, how they hit them, or what the suspension or non suspension in Zadorov's case is gonna be. I think that Calgary that their Sutter's style. I think that they're gonna resign them. But it wouldn't be bad. I mean you'd have to obviously shuffle your defense. I think I'm having internet issues. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. We just, I didn't know if you were done talking or not. No, no, I just, it popped up on my screen that my device wasn't connected. So 
Um, and for mine, um, I'm gonna, I'm going to name one because I think it's it's obvious and it, it kind of sucks because you guys actually went off the board and I'm just going with a person that I think Toronto had interest in. Well, I know has that interest in for like three years, and that's Tyler Bertuzzi. I think his contracts around four million, roughly four million, five million. I think he's got one more year after this. Um, Toronto's been targeting him for now three years. The first year, they almost apparently had a like, contract discussion or trade discussions with Detroit. Almost had something in the works, but then he got injured. Then the year after that was the pandemic, and then this year with the vaccine issue and him not being the only him being the only NHL player now that's not vaccinated. But next year they're estimating or predicting that Toronto and Ontario and all of Canada will go back to kind of normal and there won't be a, a, a vaccine a mandate or whatever. Um, so yeah, I think that he could be that that gritty guy, kind of like a. Kind of like a Zach Hyman, but a little bit more physical. Kind of like a Michael Bunting, a pest, who could play on Tavares' line with Nylander and kind of spark that line so then Tavares and Nylander can just focus on their game. Um, and yeah, and I, 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 I don't believe this for a second because I think he's, this player's going to get like eight, nine million, but you guys see Nas coming back at all? You see Toronto going to him and saying, hey, you want to take six to come back? Or do you think Nas and is like the DeMar DeRozan? And saying "f you," I think that's you guys exactly what he's gonna do. I think that's exactly what he's gonna do. Apparently, Philly has a lot of interest in him, which is funny because he hates Rasmus Ristolainen. Like they hate each other bad. Like every time they've played against each other, whether it be Toronto, or Buffalo, or Philadelphia, or Colorado, and Buffalo, apparently they've like had some kind of altercation, like physical altercation, and now. Uh, uh, Philly's apparently preparing an offer to sign Nazem Kadra as their main piece this offseason. So that'll be funny. Yeah, I, d- um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see the DeMar DeRozan. Like, obviously, it, it works because they traded him. He might not have been traded. But I feel like if, if they gave him a contract that was within a reasonable amount of what he wants, I feel like he could come back. I think that the problem would be is that they don't want to spend the money to bring him back. Yeah, like they already have a large chunk of cap given to six or seven guys. I don't, I don't. Even if it's five million, I don't, I don't feel like they're going to do that just to bring him back. I feel like they, they're thinking they can use that money elsewhere. I, I agree on that. But here's something that's interesting. A lot of people have heard Elliot Freeman and his idea that ja, uh, John Tavares should be moved to the wing. I think apparently that's something that he thinks Toronto was talking about. It hasn't been said officially, and John Tavares is a whiz at faceoffs. So here's my thinking behind this. If you did get Nazem Kadri, he would play the center role, but he wouldn't take face-offs. John Tavares would then take face-offs, being a 60%. And then Nazem Kadri would, would then take over the center role and play up and down the ice as a center. I think that would be kind of cool, but I don't obviously see that price tag being paid. And Kyle, I'm super surprised he didn't say this one. And this would be, if I if I didn't have a hunch that Tyler Bertuzzi would be the guy, I would honestly say Nitrushkin. Bought out by Dallas, went to Colorado, played smart, played hard, worked for it, and now is going to test the market, and I don't necessarily see um, uh, Colorado being able to afford him because some people are saying Colorado is going to prepare for another extra player to replace Nazem Kadri, whether that be Andrew Cobb. Some people are 
I've seen, like not notable player people have linked a Mark Shifley. Wow. Yeah, Nachuskin, uh, that, that'd be a good one for sure. Um, I, I completely forgot about him. I know I've mentioned mentioned him before to you guys. Um, just a guy that wouldn't cost too much, I don't think. Um, uh, big power forward. Uh, kind of like a JVR kind of player. A um, little more physical. What do points? Yeah. Yeah, seriously. And that was, that was what, on the second line with Kadri? Yeah, with Burkowski and Kadri, yeah. Um, but at the same time, I'm also impressed by Scott with the Ricard Raquel. Like those type of that, like those uh, like secondary players in, in the free agent market for Fords would, would be the guys that Toronto would, would definitely go after too. Like Andrew Cobb, Ricard Raquel, Etrushkin, Burkowski. It's Andrew Cobb. Me, actually. The, the whole podcast, like even when we brought Jack Campbell, I was going to say Braden Holby. His, his current contract is only like $2 million. I feel like the Leafs could easily yeah. give him that to come in. Even if like he's had a down year the last couple of years, if they don't bring back Campbell, then I feel like you could try to convince him to, to be a starter. Maybe not, but I feel like under the right system, he could go back to being a relatively good goalie. But then right before you How old is he? He's only 32. So he's, he's in and around okay. Jack Campbell's age. I think yeah. Jack Campbell's about 30 or 31. Yeah, 30 turning 31. So yeah. If you're going to use that Jack Campbell, if their plan was to use him for the next three or four years, years. I mean, obviously uh Hopi's a little bit older, but if you're going to use him for the next three years and you can't bring out Campbell, I was going to say Brain Hopi and then right before you asked the question, I saw Ricard Raquel's name. And I like Ricard Raquel. I usually try to get him in hockey games and stuff, and then I thought, yeah, he'd be a good fit, so I said him instead. Yeah, and I also heard the other day that, like, on the 32 Thoughts podcast, when they talked about because every time that there's a new podcast Ellen, and there's an elimination of the playoffs, they kind of talk about their offseason plans. And that's one thing Ellie Freeman brought up was that Brayden Holby doesn't necessarily want to be a backup. He still thinks he could be a starter. And Edmonton had interest in him a couple years ago, but then he went to Vancouver. They also had interest in Markstrom. Then he went to Calgary. And then this year he got bought, or last year he got bought out. But he wasn't a fit in Vancouver. I think that was the issue. And then he he played well, but injuries happened, and you got Jake Gardinger who rose to the occasion. So... Also, will be interesting because he's an RFA, Jake Ottinger. Not saying Toronto will have an offer sheet, but I think that we will see a world where there's offer sheets now despite teams, and I think that could be one of the guys that kind of they force Dallas's hand, which Dallas doesn't need the, the hand being forced. Obviously, they're going to resign him. But Also, I think Alexander Radulov, yeah, he is a UFA. Not that I want him. He's going to be 36. I think that that could be the end of him in the NHL. If that was Arizona. I'd jump in and just offer Jake Ottner like a seven-year, $8 million contract just to screw Dallas over. I mean, yeah, because they can afford not gonna, to buy him out too. Yeah, even, even, even if they use him. Like your team's not going to be good next year. You're probably going to be like two, three years before you even consider yourself a bubble team. So I would yeah. maybe not seven for eight, but like five for six and a half or five for seven. Just, just so Dallas can yeah. match, and then you get a potential goalie of the future to build around. Yeah, that's true. Uh, also, another player, I'm not going to, I don't want to talk about Max Domi because I think that's one name that's always going to be brought up because of dad, but Andre Palat is another guy who I don't see him coming to Toronto, but guys like in that secondary, third, uh, tertiary, 
um, level tier are guys that Toronto could bring in on cheaper deals to play in that top six role. And I don't see Tampa also being able to afford all these guys. Yeah. So just real quick before we wrap up to me, I feel like, like people are like trying, like trying to bring in this guy, trying to bring in this guy. But honestly, I, I don't think that they're actually maybe a defenseman and try to resign Jack Campbell. But with, with how Dubas said that they, they want to try to build up some of the young guys or HL guys in the NHL. I don't think they're going to be bringing in four or five forwards. I think yeah, I maybe think there's only going to be one. Yeah, they're going to try to bring in one forward, and then the rest of their bomb six will be filled out with Aberziti and, and Blackwell and Robertson, Spezza, and all the other guys that they might resign. I don't think yeah, they're going to go think, wild and, and completely rebuild their I bottom agree. six in the offseason. I think that you could see a world where they trade Kasha to, like, say, for example, because he's got RFA rights to, like, say, Arizona or Buffalo, you know, a team that could sign him, whatever. But I think that you could see a world where they bring in one guy and that guy is just to complement the top six, like kind of like a Michael Bunting style um, player. Like the players that we named, like those secondary tertiary um, tiers. Yeah. But then from there, I think that your your third line could be Camp, Ingvall, Kerfoot, and your last line could be Robertson or even Robertson, uh, say, Abrazizi and Kerfoot as your third line, and then Blackwell, Camp, Ingvall as your last line, and then Spezza if he resigns as your extra. But he also doesn't want to play if he's not going to contribute daily yeah. to make an impact. So I, you're right. I don't see a world where and, – and Joe, Joey Anderson, obviously, is that other name that we've brought up. So I, I think that you – you're right. I think even if they don't, I, I still think that you could improve on the back end. True, truthfully, yeah, you're, you've made a good point. I think that Toronto could only really use maybe a, a, a forward, one defense, and a goalie. So, I, yeah, you're right. I didn't really think about that. Just obviously, you said a top six, potentially second line guy, but I don't. I think they're going to go into the offseason and they're going to get like a, a David Camp type player, like a third potentially fourth-line guy who's going to play well for them. And then they'll just cycle the usual guys up onto that second line, Kerfoot. Yeah, I'm just kind of tired of seeing yeah, Kerfoot on the second line. No, yeah, me too, but I, I, I don't I, I don't feel like they're going to go and add an actual top-six guy. I feel like they're going to add a like a David, like a player who is going to play well for them that everybody's going to, in the offseason, be like, who the hell is this guy? But then when he actually starts playing for them, he's going to play well. And that guy could fit on the top-six. If he plays well enough, look at Michael Bunting. But I, I don't see them going out and signing a top six, even though that was my yeah. my player. I, that's I don't a that's a like true statement though, because Toronto's the type of type of team that's got like that analytical background, right? So they'll find a guy, say for example, let's just say Riley Smith, because he's the name I'm looking at. If Riley Smith or like a uh, what's a guy from Ryan Strom from. Uh, Chicago, like those type of styles or Dylan Strom, you know, like the guys who, I mean, Riley Smith was a bad example so it's like Dylan Strom, who had bad years but have good potential, mm-hmm. and then they could sign him to a one, two million dollar contract and, and throw him in that role. Yeah, you're right. But. And I feel like everybody's going to be arguing you need to add more offense, but again, me personally, I feel like Matthews and Marner are going to have just as good a year next year, if not better. I think Marner's going to reach 100. Matthews is obviously going to reach 100 again. Then you have your 70, 80, potentially 90 in Tavares Nylander or your potential 70 in Michael Bunting. So I, I don't feel like 
you need to add that 80 point player. Yeah, I, so I, I I feel like they're going to go out and add that potentially no name. Everybody sees him as the last line guy who's going to come in and play incredibly well. And by the end, and I the think that could be Blackwell. I think Blackwell, oh, if yeah. you put on the line with Tavares and Nylander, I think he could provide what what Bunting did and Hyman we, has done. You know, like we said that when when they traded for him, that we thought he was going to be the black, uh, the Michael Bunting of of the second line. Yeah, and they never really used him in that role, but just just play style alone, I I, I agree. I could see him fitting in, into that role as the digger energy guy on the line. When yeah. um, when Blackwell played on the Rangers, I'm pretty sure I saw him on the second line with Panarin and Strom. That was before uh, before Capo Caco and Lafreniere, yeah. all those guys came into play. Um, I'm pretty sure. And I, I think in pardon. Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty sure I, I saw him playing on the second line for a long time, and he he had some pretty good numbers with the Rangers actually. Yeah, and I think he, I think he played on the second line in Seattle too. Yeah, because he he has like I think he had like fifteen goals or something this season. Like he had something that was like above above what he usually gets. But I think that you this season alone, this off season, they should worry about pushing out money. He never played for Chicago. Chicago. He's never played for Chicago. Wait, who? Colin Blackwell. The Rangers. Who said Chicago? You did. I said Seattle. Oh, I thought you said Chicago. Yeah, his no, career high in goals is career high in goals is twelve with the Rangers. With, with the Rangers? Yeah. Um But I think this offseason alone you should be worrying about pushing out money with uh, say potentially Jake Muzzin, Justin Hall, um uh what's his face? Uh Mrazic. Potentially I, I want Kerfoot to stay, but even Kerfoot and that in that conversation, maybe Kasha, push out money and bring in those extra analytical pieces that you could you could like pay low and, and get like a low a low risk high reward kind of kind of style. Yeah. I agree. But anyways, let's put a wrap on this podcast. Went a little longer than we expected, but that's pretty typical of us. So uh any other points from you guys? Not for me. No, I think uh, I think we've covered everything. Uh depth players is what we expect from the uh free agency. We don't expect anything crazy. Um, but that'll all depend in, uh, on Campbell as well. I think if Campbell's gone, then uh, you might see something interesting happen with, uh, with regards to goaltending. Uh, Samsonov, uh, RFA, I don't know what's going to happen there, but yeah. Um, I, I agree, and that leads me to my next, my next point, that next week, if we do this, say, next Thursday, if it works for everyone, we might know more about what's happening. There might be a maybe a re-signing. There might be some more conversation. And and there's some going to be some weeks that we don't do it for two weeks, or maybe like one of us isn't here or whatever. Uh, which is fine. Like sometimes there'll be dog the dog days of summer when it's kind of like say middle August and there's kind of nothing going on. Maybe we won't do one right away, or maybe by during the playoffs or something, or just before the draft, maybe we take a little bit of time off. I don't know. We'll figure all that out after, but we will be doing at least once a week until otherwise stated, and we will know more what happens with this team going forward. So stay with us. Lastly, I think we have a new listener from a new country, and I just want to welcome them because this is kind of what we do, and I believe it's Malaysia. 
Interesting. So, welcome to Malaysia. Um, I believe there's one other one, but for some reason, my internet is not working. Um, let me see here quick. Uh, Malaysia's new... Um, and Honduras, that was the other one. Honduras. So, welcome. Welcome. Stay with us. There will be an article coming out tomorrow as well as the podcast so make sure you subscribe download like comment share the podcast share the article get on twitter interact with us because i mean we could always start it but we want you guys to come to us with ideas so please do social media is at least forever pod on twitter at least forever air talk forever on instagram thank you and go leafs go thank you Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening.